All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. Raf Giallo here, and I'm alongside Connor Neville of RT Sport Online this week, and also Johnny McDonald, former Shelburne and St. Pat's manager, and also Keith Tracy, former Ireland international. We'll be talking about Ireland's Nations League campaign and also the heartbreak for the Ireland under 21s. But uh, before that, uh, I know, Johnny, you were enjoying Keith's sartorial choices last night. Oh, I just loved his new suits. Yeah, he's. Uh... He's, he's come up in my estimations now. I have to say, he's he reminded me of Roddy Collins in his in his in his Carlisle days and his beautiful suits from Louis Copeland. I, th- I thought it was the Sunday game I was looking at. <laughs> oh, stop! I can't get away from it. <laughs> Everywhere they toured, everybody's a fashionista. All of a sudden, uh, yeah. You look great. You look great, Keith. Did you tweet it? Did you tweet the tailors? You're supposed to do that, and you know. No, well, uh, Thankfully, Connor, I'm not on social social media okay. for, for for these type of reasons, so people can't reach me when I wear horrible suits on the telly. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't. I, I, I would. I'd be different. My, my, my tailor would be collar and cuff. You know, so I, I make sure I look after them. <laughs> did they keep you up there today? Did they? Say. But anyway, that was on a different channel. So uh, on our two channels, we had, we had the Ireland seniors and the under 21s. But uh, Connor, it was a bit of a two screen job. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't for me now because I was at the uh, the home game last night. So I we kind of picked up during the game that it had gone to penalties. And I tried to get it on the RT player, but there was some issue with the app on my phone. I shouldn't be saying that on this podcast. But uh, yeah, I, I couldn't get it up. But we, we I followed it on the tracker. And yeah, it was... Um, very disappointing. I mean, as Jim Crawford, I think, said, I think they probably lost, you know, what what really cost them was not winning the game on Friday night because they had so many chances in that second half. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was it was a real letdown. And, you know, the, the penalties obviously were very poor. He, he insisted that, you know, practising penalties is not uh, terribly relevant to the pressure situation that taking them in a in a competition would be. But, you know... Um, yeah, it's just it's immensely disappointing. And then there was the small matter of the uh, the home game against Armenia last night, which was obviously a very chaotic um, end game. It was ironic that we, you know, we've so many players playing with the senior team that come through the twenty ones. A few of them could still play, and the and the Israelis brought back players out of the senior panel mm. and played them in that match because it was so so important for them to qualify. And it was as important for us to qualify. I think it was hugely important for that. 21's group to qualify you know for the development of the game for the pathway for the players just you know just for the you know the you know the the, the, the FAO you know the persona of the FAO and where we're going and where, where the where the soccer is going in Ireland to, to qualify for tournaments which it's all what it's all about and especially with the 21's and I just thought it was ironic that the Israelis brought some of the players back from the senior team yeah um for ourselves though I think the the game against Armenia was probably important given where we were though in terms of the, the points return that was needed it was also relegation on the line seven points Connor and um, is the is the return from those games you know when we talked about the start of the campaign it was supposed to be a bridge to Euro 2024 and in the end I think we seem to be left with more questions than answers yeah I mean you're left wondering after watching that game last night you're left wondering what measure of progression has been made because you know, we seem to be in the same continual spiral in the Kenny era of apparent progress one week and then, you know, sort of crushing come down the next. And it, it did strike me that, you know, Ireland 
under Kenny, Ireland have tended to play quite well away from home against teams like Scotland, Serbia, etc. Albeit not getting results, sometimes getting a nil-nil draw or whatever. We have played well in those games throughout the Kenny regime. I mean, if you all the way back to the Slovakian uh, playoff in Euro 2020, and then you know, then you're left you're left wondering. You you think there's progress being made? We thought there was progress being made around the back end of 2021, uh, early 2022. Kenny keeps on quoting the the record in terms of three losses in 17 games or what have you, um, and yet. When you when you when you come to consider that our Armenia game last night was it really any better than the Luxembourg performance in March 2021? I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, we we were we limped over the line fortuitously in the end against a team who were beaten five nil at the weekend by Ukraine. I mean, it is quite bizarre. And yet, you go back to June and you saw how well Ireland played against Ukraine um, in which. And it's it's very hard to decipher the form lines in the Kenny era, but uh, it's uh, it's terrific in terms of um, keeping this debate purring on, this endless debate about between romantics and roundheads and cavaliers. You know the people who want to go back to the uh, the old ways. Um, you know, and it, no doubt that will persist and get louder after last night. And I, I think the narrative does seem to be. Shifting against Kenny again after last night, albeit he, he he probably has enough credit to keep going for Euro twenty twenty four. Yeah, let's listen. Or at to least at, le- at, at least enough goodwill. Yeah, uh, let's listen to the Ireland manager. He was speaking to Tony O'Donoghue after that three uh, two win over Armenia last night. I'm not sure exactly how to feel, sort of, but I, I know that uh, we played really well in the game, and uh, I was very pleased with how we played, and then just absolutely shot ourselves in the foot for. For a five-minute period, two min- two goals in two minutes, you know, it was um, it was careless because we went after three or four. We could have been four up at that stage, 75th minute. We'd centre-backs overlapping and everyone committing to attack. And um, we obviously got caught on the break when we're winning 2-0. And then we made a mistake and got punished a minute later. So the fact that we came back in 1-3-2 was important. And, uh, you know, we were much the better team and could have won by, by a few goals. But uh, there's lessons there for us and, that, you know, learnings for us, for sure. And have you been angry with the team? Have you had a word with them? I know it's only just straight after the game, but like you can't have been happy that they let their concentration go like that. No, no, I think um, it's not like a club situation where you have them in tomorrow when you're in next mm. week and you can go through them. We don't, I don't see it until November. I think the thing is, uh, I don't see people for two months now, and, and that's the, the difference with international football. I think um, they know themselves, like we know that we were so much in the ascendancy that we went for the third, fourth, fifth goal, which is fine, but not, we shouldn't lose the structure of our back three in the way that we did, mm. and, um, and the protection around that. And certainly, uh, um, overall, I thought, Loads of good things from the performance. Loads of good things. And um, a five-minute five, five moment of madness. But we won the game. It was a pressure game for the players. And so it was important to win it, and we won it. Okay, that's Stephen Kenny speaking to Tony O'Donoghue after that 3-2 win over Armenia. Um, just before we kind of get properly stuck into it, I just want to get your thoughts, Keith and Johnny, 
on what Stephen Kenny said there and, and does it tally with your reading of the game? I might start with you, Keith, first. Um, no, it, the game and what Stephen Kenny is saying doesn't really add up to me. It's it's a 90-minute game, 95-minute game. We played well. I think you said a minute and we're all committed to attack when we're winning 2-0. You know, it's just really naive stuff at international level. And I said before the game, there will be a period when, when Armenia are on top. And I don't mean, you know, turning the screw back on us, but they will get a couple of shots off, as teams do. We just seemed really, you know, unable to deal with it. The, the first goal goes in, it's it's so, so poor. It's uh, Conor Hurahan crosses the ball straight into the Armenia keeper's hands and he holds it for five, six seconds and then he throws it into the middle of the pitch and Conor Hurahan and Jeff Hendricks, they just can't get back. They can't get back. And considering Conor's, Conor's only come onto the pitch, you would have thought he's lost the ball, he'll have a bit of, bit of input, he'll have the legs to get back and have a snap at somebody. But it's just like the alarm bells aren't ringing. I'll just have a little gentle jog in here. They break the lines and... Look, it's a decent save by Bazzoni, the four save, hits it onto the post, the follow-up's a great finish. That can happen. You can you can get a sucker punch, a counter punch in international football. But when we kick off then, I'm looking for leaders. I'm looking for people to start talking to people. Calm down, relax, lads. Don't give them anything. No silly passes, nothing. And Connor again goes and gets it. And he, he has an easy pass to a centre-half. Go back to the goalkeeper. Chip it into the channel, do what you like, but don't play a, a blowing ball across the 18 yard box when there's Armenian players sniffing around. And they've only scored a goal, so you would imagine that their press is going to be up and they're going to be on the front foot. So just play smart. And what Stephen Kenny using words like he's pleased with it. I wasn't pleased with that. You know, we got the win, but I wanted to see a performance. And it doesn't get an awful lot easier than Armenia at home, if I'm honest. And if we're really, you know, even the goals we scored. All the family's goal is excellent. That's probably the only time in the whole game where we actually were able to play through the middle. Because I think it's uh, Colin steps in, wins the ball, gives it straight to Obafemi, turns the centre half, and we score. The rest was all around the outsides of Armenia. Really nice, easy ozy stuff. Balls into the box, which is I'm fine. We 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 were we were making chances. I was okay with that. But we want to see us playing through the middle. And if we can't break down the likes of an Armenia team who are just going to get bodies back there that Ukraine score five against, Scotland score four against, you know, we if we can't break down Armenia at home in a football-based way, we're not going to be breaking down anybody at home. Yeah, and Johnny, similarly, um, what, do you, what do you agree and sort of disagree with from what Kenny said there? He, like, he, he, he spoke up in the game, comfortable, and I think comfortable comes to mind. I think they just dropped into that comfort zone. One thing I couldn't understand was was the substitutions. Jason Knight being taken off because him and Robbie Brady were causing terrible problems down the left hand side. Was great, there were the great, the great dynamic about the two of them coming inside, going outside, overlaps the whole lot. Whereas on the right side, Hendrick, you know, and uh, Matt Doherty playing a straight lines, balls back, crosses into the box. Whereas the other two were causing huge problems. And I, I, I couldn't understand why Jason Knight was, was taken off. As I said, I just think he fell into that comfort zone. The goal, you know, Keith is talking about the ball coming into the keeper's arms. If you, I watched the goal again this morning and he rolls around the midfield. They play through one pass, the diagonal pass out to the right. And I rewound it. The referee actually runs by Jeff Hendrick to catch up with the play. He actually runs by him. If you see the goal again, he runs by him. Bazuna, yeah, yeah, Bazuna makes the save. 
I thought Collins could have cleared. I think he, he, he's been doing, done brilliant. I thought he might have cleared it when he let it come through. I thought he might have cleared it out for a corner. Great finish. But I was astonished to see Jeff Hendrick, the referee, running past him. The second goal, as I said, unforced error, as they'd say in tennis. Nobody near him. Absolutely no one. The ball wasn't actually even going to an Irish player. It was actually going nowhere. It went into no man's land. And it was just a lack of concentration. Keith spoke about a lack of leadership. Just a lack of taking responsibility. You know, and Conor Huron's an experienced player. So just as Stephen said, madness for five or ten minutes. And we are lucky. They had a tour chance. Uh, which the seven, he just put a wind to the post. Uh, the let Bazuno might have had it covered, but a great strike from the edge of the box as well. Look, comfortable, yeah, but I just think we dropped off and dropped off. At the start of the game, they didn't come out of their half. It was the 42nd minute before they had all their players in their half and up onto the halfway line. So we, we should have nailed them. They played a low block. We should have known that. The, the low block means there's no space in behind. Troy Parrott loves to run in behind. Slide drill passes, balls in behind. There was no space. Obafemi maybe playing off him, as you say, for the goal, done really well. But again, sometimes when a team is playing a low block, and it might, make, it might be a bit contradictory, but sometimes you have to let them have the ball so they come out and advance a bit and then leave the space in behind. Yeah, and you know when you're talking about that kind of tactical setup, then... How much, and this is kind of going to Liam Brady sort of saying that the players are possibly more to blame and Stephen Kenny should be going through them. How much responsibility is it on them um, to kind of interpret that during the game? Stephen said, he actually said, we were committed to attack in this first part of the interview. So does that mean everyone attacked? Because there was big spaces, as he said, when the attack, when the keeper rolled that ball out for the first goal, there's big spaces. You know, there's people who attacks, how we attack, who attacks, where we attack. But who holds, who steps, who says deep for the hold up the opposition to slow them down on their counter-attack? So, you know, the, the tactical side, players need to take responsibility as well. I mean, you can set up something for training all week and you might set up to say, well, go down the left or down the right or around the car, around the wings. And if there's something happening in the game, you've got to take the game on its merits for the want of a better phrase from Johnny Giles and to say, we need to keep doing this because it's working. So that's why you, you have the experienced players and the responsibility of players and the confidence of the player to take that responsibility. You must give the players that responsibility that they have the confidence to go and try something. Yeah, now this uh, Nations League campaign is sort of a bridge between that last World Cup campaign, which ended on a more positive note, albeit we were well out of it at that point. And then obviously the Euro 2024 qualifiers that start in March and the draws in October. But Keith, do you feel, have we seen enough development during this window? Uh, I don't think so, Raf. I think if you if you go back to June, we had uh, we had four games in June and I think the, two, the first two games against Armenia and Ukraine were two steps backwards. I think then we we got back on the horse. We had two good games against uh, against Ukraine and Scotland, and then we come to this one and we play we played Scotland and we lost. And you're thinking, you know, we done okay in the game going away to Scotland, going to Hampden Park. The Scottish are very very strong, and you think, yeah, we did okay. We competed. We could have got something out of that. That that wasn't bad. And then we come to Armenia, a, a, a potential banana skin, and it, that's exactly what it turned out to be. Although you know we got the three points. This is a group that Stephen Kenny said himself he fancied winning. Now, I, I was never on board with that thinking, but if you're going to say that thing, them things openly to the media, 
then you've got to back it up somehow. When we ended up in a relegation battle with a very, very poor Armenia team, we got a scare. And let's not forget, Jason Malumbi was quite lucky to stay on the pitch at a, at a pivotal time in the game. It was, I think it was 1-0 at the time, maybe, if it, even if it was 2-0. The Armenians would have really fancied their chances gone with 10 men, three in the middle, and the amount of work that the Irish midfield had done at that time. So they would have fancied that. And given that they had, the Armenians had two lads sent off, our second yellows at the end, and the referee seemed to take his hand to his pocket. He was about to give it and then realised Malumbi was on a yellow and thought, OK, I'll give you another chance, which the game shouldn't be refereed like that. I did think the two, the two challenges were standalone yellow cards, so the Armenians will be aggrieved by that. But this... This was a real yardstick for me, Raph. I thought, you know, the teams we struggle against are the, the so-called lesser nations that come back here, play a low block, play five at the back, three in front of that, and just don't really move. Just just plant themselves there. Don't want the ball. Prepare to suffer in possession. We'll do all the running in the world. Have we got a bit of flair to break them down? Not really. There was more balls into the box, headers, making chances. Now, that's without the Obafemi bit of class. The Obafemi bit of class was excellent. That aside, you know, it was all headers, all... all all that sort of stuff. He wasn't playing half turns. There was no nice knee invent the pass and through the middle. I I don't know. You know, I I was asked the question do I have any uh, about March, the qualifiers in March? I, I think we're sleepwalking into this. I really do. I think we're we're sort of stuck in the mud. And I just find myself questioning all the time, are we good enough to try and play this brand of football? Because like I say, if you can't break down Armenia, there's, there's real problems. Yeah, and uh, I'll come back to that. But um, Johnny, just on the the system at large, as Keith said there, you know, we struggle to break down teams like Armenia, especially inferior teams at home. The system that is being used, the 3-5-2, seems to work really well against teams of our level and above. But should there be a tweak when we're playing teams like Armenia that are harder to break down? It, it's it's more of, you know, we got lots of the ball and we're moving it slowly and we're going from side to side. You know, I thought we moved it quickly enough early on in the game, you know, first 10 minutes or so, we had him pinned back in. But then it just gradually slowed down. But it's about that combination play, as Keith is talking about there, in and around the box, the movement, the settle passes, balls into, into the likes of Troy Parrott's feet where he's on the edge of the box. He locks it up, locks the defender up, and he's laying it off for shots from the edge of the box. A little combination, one tails around the edge of the box. You know, and that's... That's being invented, but it's also being where you, you do it on the training pitch. You need to tweak it and, and make sure it, it's is it going in behind, is it going in the feet, is it going wide, and you, you've got to have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C because you, that puts you to play. Uh, again, be patient, be nice and patient. Generally, good positive uh, positive play and you know good positive possession usually leads to chances and stuff, but. You know, but it's got to be played at a good high tempo. Fellas, no one went to make runs. Who's who's running off the ball? Who's running into the space? Who's being set up for, as I said, for little setups for shots, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and and do, I'm doing it nice and quickly. And as I said, if if they're if they're dropped off, sometimes you just have to get them to come out, and that's a, a plan as well. As I said, let them have the ball. They might come out 10 yards or 15 yards. You set a trap and you win it. And then there's a bit of space in behind to go and develop that. Uh, with the, the wing backs, you know, are coming in, can you play a bit narrower? Or can the, the, the top players certainly play a bit narrower and let the wing backs bomb on and try and get in around the back as well? So there's lots of different options. You can talk about them, but they've got to be clear and concise to the players on the pitch on the day. And they know exactly who's doing it, where they're doing it, and how they're going to do it. Johnny, I was just wondering, like, there's a sense that we're playing much more progressive football than we are, but is that connected, in your view, to the fact that we keep 
conceding goals in these games or giving up too many chances. Even against Ukraine in the summer, there was a lot of chances given up, and that goal they scored straight after half time was very uh, was very handy. Is that connected to our over adventure, our adventurous style? You know, and well, is it worth it? Well, Connor, you know, and it's a good question because tactically, like you know. Football, it's something we overcomplicate it sometimes. Like the ball can only go down the left, down the right, or down the middle. It can't be in the three places at one time. So if we're attacking down the right hand side, we've got to make sure we're tucked around from the far side, or we're advancing the far side, or we two hold the midfield players. And that's what I'm talking about being clear and concise of roles of players. You know, a bit of Trapatoni stuff can be brought in there, the rigidness, all that stuff, fellas not moving forward. But, you know, you might be saying, do we attack? against the top teams are only three players. Do we attack against the Armenian team with five or six players and we two holding players and maybe two defenders to set up the second phase of attack? So, you know, it's it, it's a difficult one, but it has to be clear and the players have to take ownership to what you're trying to do and what way you're trying to get in, Connor. It's, you know, it, 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 again, to say, does it leave us open at the back? It shouldn't leave us open at the back to Armenia. It might leave us open at the back to Argentina or England or Holland or Belgium, you know, or maybe the, the, the Midland teams or, you know, the Ukraine, but it shouldn't leave us open at the back to the, to the lower ranked teams. I really don't think so. And, you know, you can talk about Brazil and I'm not having much to do and maybe could have got to the second one. I, I don't I don't agree with that one. That doesn't wash with me. But it doesn't wash as a defender. You need to be always on your guard to say, this ball is going to be, there's going to be a transition here. We're going to lose this. It could be a big ball over the top or a nice ball into someone's feet. And are we ready to defend this in the transition? So, you know, is, is there a lack of concentration? Stephen said it in the, in the, I've wrote it down here, concentration levels. You can't drop your concentration levels at this level. The Faroe Islands beat Turkey the other night. So, you know what I mean? There's no bad teams or there's always a, a player around teams that are not great. There, there are decent players and cause you a little bit of troubles. So you can't drop your guard whatsoever. So I hope that answers the question, Connor, in the best way I can. Yeah. Does, yeah. yeah. I was struck by Matt Doherty, who was played very well, I thought, against Scotland going forward. Like he had a great slaloming run. And then two minutes later, he's, he's very easily done for that cross for the, for the Scotland equaliser. But, but that's the concentration. That's I'm, I'm attacking, I'm attacking. How can I hurt the, the opposition? Can I go inside? Do I play little diagonal balls? Do we do go on an overlap? And we, and we cross them from deep and we get into the back line and standing the ball up and we're pulling it back. But now we're defending and we're showing them the line and we're showing them inside and we're showing them outside. And we've got me eye on the ball and we square and we, and we side on and we're in a good boxer stance so we can get torn inside, outside. They're all the qualities you need to have if you're a wing back going forward and the qualities you have to have as a defender. Yeah. The three at the back for me, I, I, I won't harp too long on it, but the three at the back, when the ball is played down in, into the gully down, the, say the left side, and we talk about our wide player, they're talking about Jason Uy coming out or Malumbi coming out to help or Hendrick coming out. That's the way they play it, isn't That's the way he defends it. I don't. I, I, I would play it the other way. I would think Nathan Collins is comfortable enough to go into right full position and switch everyone across. And then our, our left wing back just tucks in as the left full. Um, Femi or Parra just drops in and this and it's nice and solid. There's no space in the far side for a big ball over the top. I just think it's a lot of work for the midfielders to get out there all the time. Whereas the centre half can just... Just push across 10 or 15 yards, next man in, next man in, and then the wing back just tucks in. That's just my opinion on it. Everyone does it differently. 
Yeah, and Keith, I'm going to go back to what you said about sleepwalking into the Euro 2024 qualifying campaign. We're going to be a pot three team. The draw is on October 9th in Frankfurt. And based on what we've seen over the campaign, a seven points uh, return from the uh, from the six games, what needs to change and how can it and how can it change? And at what level does that need to change for Ireland to be competitive? Well, the first thing we need, Raph, is we need a 90-minute performance. We've had little bits and bobs here and there. The defending, it needs to mean as much as the attacking. I think Stephen is very, very heavy reliant on the attacking. He, he was talking there in his interview about, you know, he only has the lads a couple of days at a time and then he doesn't see them for two months. He needs to tell people, I know Johnny is saying the, the players need to take uh, responsibility for that, but I, I would be telling them, over and over again when Troy Parrott's attacking or whoever it is is attacking I want you to stand in the middle of the pitch and just think what happens if we lose the ball now always think what happens if this breaks down now am I in a good position drag somebody in next to me just always keep yourself nice and tight and we look so so green when we, we were 2-0 up in the 75th minute and like Stephen Kenny says we're committed to attack now do you think Spain would have committed to an attack like that when when Armenia are in a low block and there's no chance of getting in behind them, they just pass the ball to death and they would force the Armenians to come out and somewhat try and get the ball off them. And as soon as they did, then they start picking holes. We just wanted to go three, four, five. It doesn't work like that. You have to earn the right. And we, like I said, we just we need people to switch on. But in terms of the Euros, there's, there's an awful lot that needs to change. We need an out-and-out goal scorer. We need somebody who will hit the back of the net you know, more often than not. We need... We need more than just hard work in the middle of the pitch. We need some inspiration. We need somebody who can play on the half tone, slide ball, shoot for people. I, 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 and with us being a pot three team, there's obviously going to be two teams that are going to be, you know, better than us. And I don't see us getting results against team better than us. You know, we, we stay in games. That's when the five at the back, or you can call a three, a three five two, or I think it's a five, a five two, a five three two. Sorry, as soon as you lose the ball, the two wing backs come and it's a flat back five against the bigger nations. I think we're all right with that because we can soak up a bit of pressure, defend really well. And with the likes of Obafemi and of Benny, even a parrot hanging on the periphery of the game, we can hit people on the counter-attacks. But when when the emphasis is on us to have the ball and break people down, we really, really struggle. But March coming along, I, I wouldn't say I, I was uh, confident whatsoever. After There's a whole, whole lot that needs to change about this team. Yeah, the midfield uh, balance you mentioned uh, that we do lack a player that plays on the half turn. Where does that exist in the depth and not just with the squad that's been selected but elsewhere? I know Jack Burns, that type of player for Shamrock Rovers, but he hasn't been in the picture for a while. We don't seem to produce that type of player. It seems to be the issue and I don't know how Kenny actually remedies that then. Yeah, well, look, the only one that, that that comes to mind for me would be Will Smallbone in the 21s and I'd be very reluctant to throw him into the seniors given how many under-21s, there is already there. There's probably five or six that, that are eligible to play for a 21. So I'm not too sure, Raph. You know, I'm not seeing answers. You know, there's nobody that Kenny isn't picking that I'm thinking he's the answer. You know, there, there's the next Wes Houlihan playing for X, Y, or Z. We really are struggling for that that little bit of goil, that little bit of quality in the middle. And so many times, you know, I've seen Brady 1v1 or Doherty 1v1 with the Armenian fullbacks. And they just pass it backwards to our centre-halves and then we'll go to the other side. Go and take him on. Go and have a run at him. Go and get him booked. As soon as he gets booked, then he, then he can't make any more tackles. Go and commit people. Don't be afraid to lose the ball because Ireland have 70% possession. We keep the ball. We look pretty, but we're toothless. Go and get shots off. Go and make things happen. Let it be down to 50% possession, 50-50% possession. But once we get the force, once we get the second, 
that's when you start to kill him with the possession. I just think we're a little bit green in everything we do and we we really, really need to touch on the defensive side of the game because we're so, so green and 10 minutes against Armenia and they scored two goals. We were on top for 80 minutes in that game and we only managed to score three and one of them was very controversial in the penalty. Do you think uh, there was a sense that there was a sort of epiphany against Scotland, the 3-0 win? Was that a fault, Don, in, in your opinion, Keith? Yeah, I, I really do think it was. Look, we were good on the day. Scotland were absolutely awful. I was in the Aviva on the day. I was doing it. Um, I analysed the game and I couldn't believe how poor Scotland were. It, it, it got to the point that Steve Clark's job was actually being questioned, considering how well he's done. Only just lost in the World Cup playoffs to Ukraine, a very, very good Ukrainian team. And then we bet them. But we were judging them on the Ukrainian performance. I do think there was a big emotional hangover for that Scottish team when they came to Dublin and they were struggling. We played well. They were shocking. But I think they remedied that. They were, it was more like the Scotland we know when we played them in Hampden. And even that, that didn't depress me, that game. Although we lost the game, you know, we were heavily outweighed in the middle of the pitch. It was a premiership, basically a premiership midfield. Uh, I know uh, McGregor was in there, Scottish premiership. But he's playing in the Champions League, head and shoulders above anything we have in there. So we were heavily outweighed there, but that wasn't the problem for me. That wasn't where we lacked uh, the talent needed. The lack, the talent we needed was in the in the final third. We really, we were really wanting, and it goes back to the parrot chance. You know, these are fine, fine margins. These games, if he scores that goal, uh, the chance against Scotland, you would fancy to go and get something out of the game. As it happens, he misses Scotland. Go and get a scramble hole in the game, and and we just couldn't, just couldn't recover. But to still big, big question marks over Ireland and. There has been since you know from the start of Kenny's reign. Yeah, and there there is one voice missing from the uh, from the coaching staff. Obviously, John Eustace leaving, and previously he had replaced Anthony Barry, who had replaced Damien Duff. Uh, Johnny, do you put much um, stock in that? And also, is it crucial that maybe there is a different voice in there when um, Ireland and the FAI select whoever that replacement is going to be? No, I, I don't think so because I think Stephen's his own man, and I think Stephen will will will, will let the coaches know exactly what he wants to do. And they'll just bring it onto the training pitch and do it to what whatever way Stephen wants to do. I don't think they're implementing. I think Stephen's the type of manager that it's the way he does it, and uh, you know he'll just get his coaches to implement that onto the training pitch to bring it onto the, the to, to the to the match day, um, to the game. And uh, no, I I I don't think so. I you know I think Stephen is the, is the main man there, and it's it's what he says goes. And he's not. In, I'm sure he, he he takes on board, but I don't think he's fully influenced anybody else. I think Stephen likes to go with exactly what way he wants to to go, and I don't think that's going to affect him. Just going back to what you said about looking for that midfielder with the bit of goil and the bit of stuff. If we don't have it, sometimes you, you sometimes have to bypass it. And I don't mean long balls. You can still play into into the into the ten or the, or the maybe in the four three three with the wide men coming inside and your fullbacks bombing on. We can get it in the fellas' feet. And again, setting up and playing on the front foot in the last tour as well. So there's lots of different ways you can do it. There's no point in, if you don't have the ingredients to make it, you know, what's the point in having three fellas in there running around that can tackle and, you know, that, you know, that the passing is, is okay. It's not fantastic. It's not one of the... They do the work defending, but sometimes you might have to bypass them or... You can mix it up by playing it in, drawing a team in, creating the space in behind the midfield, and then getting the ball in. So, and I can totally understand what Stephen says. 
that takes time and that takes time at the start of the pre-season the way you're going to play what teams you're going to play against how you're going to play and, and stuff like that low blocks high blocks tight midfields and all that so that takes time and I can understand of being there the international football you don't have to have the players there all the time but what you need to do is that to make sure your plan is clear and that the players know exactly what you'd like to do and uh, a final point on the Ireland seniors and the friend we've got friendlies against Norway and Malta on the and Malta one being away from home on the 17th and 20th of November. So Keith, on that, um, obviously, as Johnny has just said, there is a need to have more clarity with the plan. But in terms of experimentation, what do you want to see in those games? And I mean, they will be slightly overshadowed by the World Cup, which is starting about that time as well. But what do you want to see? Well, I want to see is win games. I just want to, you know, so for so long we've said our performances have been okay. We're not getting the results. I want to see a match up. I want to see decent performances. I want to see us win games. I just want to see a little bit of confidence bred into the squad because when we were two 0 up against Armenia, it looked okay at times. It really did. But as soon as the Armenian scored, they scratched the surface of us. Our confidence was shot to bits. We couldn't put passes together. And that's what you get with a team who doesn't know how to get over the line and win games. So I'd love uh, I'd love Obafemi to catch fire. I'd love Benny to start scoring more goals as well. Just just have people coming into form for them games and just get us excited about it again. Because like I say, in June, I think we were all we knew we had four games. We were all really up for it. We all wanted to see how we did. And we we ended that with two steps forward. Like I said, this one. Feels like a bit of a damn squid, you know. Armenia at home, it doesn't get a lot easier, and, and nobody was impressed. The three-two win limping over the line. There's an awful, awful lot got to change about this team. But I just want, I want us to get off, you know, the running desire, will to fight, all of that. We have all that. We just need a sprinkling of start or some magic, somebody who can play a pass that we can't see, somebody you know to get us on the edge of our seats, not just in in. In terms of running behind, I mean on the ball, going past people because, you know, we pass from A to B really nicely, but we don't ever take anybody on. We don't commit people, and yeah, there's a, there's an awful lot that has to change, Raf. But I I just want to see us winning and playing with some confidence. Yeah, by the time those November friendlies are played, obviously we'll know who we're getting in the Euro 2024 qualifiers. So the draw again, as I said, on the 9th of October, and we're in pot three. Now, whether we get to the whether we get to Euro 2024 or not, we'll find out in due course. But obviously, the under 21s didn't make it to the European Championships. History on the line last night, um, and the really unfortunate way to go out as well on penalties. Let's listen to Jim Crawford, who was speaking to Darren Frehel at full time in Tel Aviv. Well, that's football for you. You know, it's um, it can be cruel at times. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of the players out there today. It was backs against the wall stuff for large portions of the game and we expected that we knew that um, you know and it probably goes back to the first leg where you know we missed those guilt-dead chances that had we had scored them would have put us in a, a really strong position coming out here and and we obviously caused them some type of concern because they dropped down three senior players who played on Saturday against Albania so and um, they knew the threat that we posed and as I said you know the, the players they did their their country proud, their club proud. Um, they've done their, their their grassroots clubs proud. You know, uh, coaches who got these players interested in football in the first place. Their parents proud. And um, you know, it's a a great group of players. And that's one to twenty-five. You know, it was very difficult leaving players out of that today. But 
as you're seeing at the end, everybody was together. Everybody's devastated in the dressing room there for one another. And that's what we set out to, um, to establish with this group of players, is a real teamship. And we, we, we certainly got that. You know, the performance for me was, as I said to you, it was, um, you know, a lot of blocks, a lot of forced contacts in our own box. But, you know, we, we created a couple of chances ourselves. Um, you know, coming out here, we did, we lost even more players. You know, Mark McGuinness, um, Luke McNicholas, you know, Gavin Kilkenny got injured and, and, and a few others. So, you know, with them missing out, we gave other players an opportunity and, and they done themselves proud, you know. So, um, all I can say is the, the future, certainly in the short to mid-term, looks really promising. Can I ask you about the shootout? Were nerves a factor there? Kicks didn't go particularly well for the lads? Yeah, look, it's... You can practice penalties all you want in, in Abbottstown and, and what have you, but nothing compares to the pressure that was on these players here today where, you know, every fan whistling at them and booing them when they were stepping up to take the penalty and, and you know, you'd, you'd like to think the players will learn from that experience, you know, it's, 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 it's a real punch in the stomach for the players, you know, because look, me, of course, I know me bias, they didn't deserve it because how hard they've worked since last September, you know, the young boys that have come in have stood up to the test brilliantly and uh, some of them have um, really, really promising futures out of them. All right, that is Jim Crawford, Ireland under-21 head coach, speaking last night to Darren Frehill after that game. And obviously, it's a it's a horrible way to go out, obviously, on penalties. But uh, I was working on this game last night, a really gutsy, tactically disciplined performance and just, as I said, unfortunate at the end. Um, but in, uh, when I suppose when you look at the two legs overall, obviously, Friday's first leg, the 1-1 draw um, at Tallis Stadium, is it fair to say, Johnny, that essentially the tie was lost in that first leg, especially when, with Ireland shading it in that game? Yeah, and you know, Jim Jim mentioned it there. You know, I I, I especially thought in the first half, you know, and then the Israelis got into the game and got the goal. And, you know, he's uh, he, he 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 reckons that's where he might have lost, but still they had to go and play the game. And you, you said it there yourself, Raph, you know, you watched the game, it was disciplined, it was organized, you know. Jim's a really good coach, he's a great way about him, and uh, you know, the, the, you know the disappointment is is huge. This is disappointment for them is huge to get to a major championship of being there with the under twenty international team in two thousand and two. We qual Brian Kerr qualified the team and we took them out there, and it's a brilliant, brilliant occasion to go and play against the top teams, and uh, they'd be so so disappointed. Again, he mentioned the three players coming in from their their senior team. You know, added to them, Jim lost a few players. You know, other players come in, and you know the difference there. They they were playing in the playoff to qualify for the tournament, the twenty ones. The senior our senior team were playing probably in the playoff, not to be relegated out of the Division B and stuff. So, you know, it it you kind of need to take a little bit of time, Jim, reflect go away, but I think, you know, we spoke, they worked since last September, they had a plan and they just got done on the finishing line in a, in a dip, in a follow finish and it's really, really hard to take but look, you know, he's doing the right thing, Jim, and uh, the positives are there for 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 the, the for the game, as he said, even to the grassroots, he's that connection, he's a brilliant football man and uh, it'll knock him a little bit but he'll come back better, he'll learn from it.
Yeah, it's a moot point, obviously, because they didn't qualify. But the point you made there about the time in 2002 with Brian Kerr's team, did you feel like with a, with a young squad of players together, did you actually actually visibly see players growing with the experience that they were getting kind of being together in a, you know, in an international tournament? Yeah, well, you know, we we did a bit of a build up till we played Italy, we played Paraguay prior, prior to going away, and there, you know, we we got it with a decent group of players. Glenn Whelan would have been in the team, Keith Fatty would have been in the team, John uh, uh, Jonathan Daly. Um, we had a good group: Kevin Doyle, Eamon, Eamon Zayed, Darren Potter, great players at Liverpool. But look, to get them there and to have them, we had them there for a whole month. We we actually won the group. And we had them there for the month, so we were able to walk, you know, walk with them in the plan and build good relationships. And they built the relationship and they built as players. So, you know, a few of them came through and played in first in a senior international Stephen Kelly, who commentated on the game last night, Stephen would have played in that group as well. So, you know, we, we really a, a good group of players. And uh, as I said, a few of them came through and played in the senior international team as well. Yeah, I think I remember Stephen Elliott talking about the temperatures. Out, yeah, yeah, talking about the temperatures out there, isn't it? The United Arab Emirates, <laughs> a bit much for the likes of ourselves. We we did we did we back four one day of Stephen uh, Stephen Brennan, Stephen Capper, Stephen Paisley, and uh, Stephen Kelly. That was our back four. We had four Stephens in the back four. <laughs> <laughs> so you're relying on nicknames, obviously. When, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, whatever. But, but, yeah. but a brilliant experience, Raf. And and this one saying. The, for them players to miss out on this, the, 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 the question you answered me, did you see them grow? That would make them grow. That would give them so much experience because you're playing at the top level, especially at their age, 2021s, And this would have definitely enhanced their progression as players. Yeah, we're going to see some of this crop of under-21s obviously make the step up to the seniors before long. Um, so, Keith, just on that, who do you want to see make the step up immediately or as soon as possible, whether it's in these friendlies coming in November or at least when it comes to March? Who do you feel looks ready from that tw- the current uh, 21s crop? Uh, like I said, I really enjoyed Will Smallbone's uh, performance in the fourth leg. He was really good. It's um, He just has that air about him, you know, just floats into positions. like he's not even thinking about where he needs to go. He just It just happens naturally. And that, that's a great thing to have. And, the weight of pass as well. You always know when the, like when when I was playing football when a when a new player comes in the door and he passes the ball to you. It's always the weight of his pass, and you think, yeah, this fella knows how to play. And the way he was fizzing balls into Aaron Connolly on the half turn, it was really really encouraging to see. So he's somebody I'd be keeping me eye on. I was really happy with with Joe Redmond in the first uh, the first leg as well. He was really good on his debut. The same Pats player. And a big plus for me as well was Aaron Connolly, somebody who's already been in the senior team, but. You know, it, it almost to me didn't even matter how he played in the game. It was all just about his attitude, you know, because we all know he has the talent to be able to play. It was his attitude. And with him being in the senior team, being in Brighton, now he's, he finds himself over in Serie B. He's in the 21s. He could have easily took this all as a punishment. And, you know, it's all it all comes a bit on his shoulders and everything's just a little bit heavy. But I thought his attitude was spot on, looked really, really dangerous. And, I, I think uh, I think Stephen Kenny will maybe reinstate Aaron Connolly to the to the fourth team. But like I said, I'd love to see Will Smallbone in these friendlies. Maybe won't be ready for the for the qualifying campaign in March, but I'd like to just uh, just blood him in the friendlies. And what did you think of Joe Hodge actually? I, I, nice, neat, tidy. Can pick a pass as well. I think they complement each other. Uh, him, Hodge, and Smallbone really complement each other well because Smallbone will. will uh, 
he'll be more tasked with the attacking side. But Hodge will he's a little bit more defensively minded. So I think he thinks about the game a little bit more. But a really good duo in there, and it does bode well for the future. But you know, it, it, there's a big, big gap from the 21s to senior football. I played in both, and believe me, you know, it, it's sort of like the championship to the premiership. Although you're getting a little taste and you're getting a feel for it, it's very, very different when you're actually on the senior pitch. You know, when you're playing with men. Yeah, and Johnny, just on the midfield depth, and then we might just talk about Jim Crawford's future as well, because there's a little bit of uncertainty in terms of his contract. Now, he's kind of played it down and that he expects it to get done fairly soon, but he has been linked with uh, the Bohemians' vacancy. But uh, Connor Coventry, um, captaining the 21s, obviously, uh, has had a little bit of game time at West Ham, kind of as a late substitute um, in a couple of competitions. But do you do you see him as somebody capable of making that step up, especially with we saw the absence of Josh Cullen there when, uh, when he suspended last night that there probably wasn't that immediate replacement for him I, look you know from a manager's point of view it's no different you're bringing young players into the senior squad it's good to see how they, they, they react Keith spoke about the gulf between the 21s and it can be really big but what you need to look for in a player is that they have the potential to make the leap you know, they might play well in the 21s, but it's the, it's the potential there for them to push on and go into the senior team. Have they got that and mentally, physically as well? You know, I think Coventry would be a fella small, but they'd, they'd be last thing you'd probably bring into the squad, let them fit in and see see how they go, see how they develop within the squad. The, I, I, I don't think this, I think what Stephen has brought up is the players that are ready to move up now. At this stage, I don't think maybe, as I said, you know, keeps progress small and uh, Coventry maybe bringing them in and, and just blooding them a little bit. But I don't think the rest of them, because Jim has got a lot of younger players like young Evan Ferguson and stuff. So it's the same for him. It's 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds bringing them through. So would they be ready to fit into a team? Maybe not at the moment. I think the 21 lads that are there are there at the moment now and they're getting blooded in at the moment. Yeah, and then Jim's contract as well. is It's a rolling contract from Championship. Uh, yeah. championship. Um, how crucial is it just... Um, that the FAI just make sure they keep him on board because obviously he's done really well in this campaign and just for the continuity. I think so. I think I think this could be Jim's call. I think Jim, you know, to top of Bohemians. I think you know. I hope he's not blinded by the disappointment of not getting through the other day. You know what I mean? I hope. I hope not. I think he's so much to offer, and uh, you know, I, I think he would be a big loss if the FAI move him on and don't give him a new contract. He's a good way about people. He's a good way of bringing people together. He's not just good on the pitch. He's a good bloke and he's a good guy to have in the FAI. Johnny, do you think it was a missed opportunity not drafting in the drafting, pulling some of the under-21s back from the senior team? For... Well, it, well, the, the Israelis answered that question, Connor. Hmm. And I know air game was important. You know, realistically... I would have tried to get Troy Parrott to come back in. I think we'd enough there. I think we'd enough to, to, to win the game against Armenia. Even if Troy Parrott hadn't been playing last night and it was still so uncomfortable to watch the way it was in the last 15, 20 minutes and we still won and Troy Parrott had been playing for the 21s and we got through, wouldn't it have been brilliant to stay up and get the 21s through as well. I think the balance, I think it's so unfair and it, it's just the way it is for an under-21 manager. Stephen is talking about developing players. The development players are the younger players, 17s, 19s. They're the ones you develop for the senior team. You know, after that, we're looking for, you know, when you get them into the first team, you're looking for excellence. You're looking for the top quality player playing in your senior team. I just thought it was an opportunity for their under-21s last night to qualify, a brilliant opportunity. And I just think they needed all the help they could have got. 
And I still think by helping them, I still think we could have done both jobs. We still could have beat Armenia and we still could have qualified for the 21s. Yeah, I think the the thing with the is the Israel situation as well for them. So they were meant to play Russia, but obviously Russia are currently banned. Yeah, from but, but, but Rafa, it does. It's not to do with Israel. It was to do with us winning the two matches, and I think it was doable. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just yeah, I just meant sort of that they were playing a friendly last night, yeah. so maybe they felt they could afford it, and obviously they had done well in the nations. Well, in fairness, to... in fairness, Rafa, to be honest, I, I, I you know. It was probably like a friendly for us up to 75 minutes. I think Shamrock Rovers would have beat Armenia last night. <laughs> we can arrange a friendly. And I'm serious. And, uh, I'm really, really serious about yeah. it. Yeah, well, well that, yeah, we get, we'll see. We can arrange a friendly and see how the, how the, <laughs> how the two teams get on. There's enough matches coming up. Same Bradley, <laughs> Yeah, we, we'll talk about Shamrock Rovers very soon. Anyway, they've obviously got games against Molde coming up in the next fortnight as well. But let's talk. Let's turn to League of Ireland actually, because there were a couple of games over the the last uh, the last few days and a full fixture list also this weekend. But uh, Bo's got getting back to winning ways uh, on Saturday with a two 0 win at Finn Harp. So I was talking to Jordan Flores at the EA Sports. <laughs> launch of the FIFA 23 club packs uh, last week and he was reacting to the uh, the meek kind of cup defeat to Shelburne so here's what he had to say. His rations first on the cup, um, how do you reflect on that performance and the game itself? Um, there's not much I can say, it's still very uh, disappointing, it still hurts uh, the manner in which we lost, uh, obviously it wasn't good enough. Uh, but now we've just got to look forward to finish the season as strong as we can. Uh, something that you did at the end of the game was to go up to the fans afterwards and it's something where you wanted to just kind of let them know that as a group that you were sorry and individually that you were, but um, it's obviously a brave thing to go up and do that like when you know what the reaction is going to be, but you feel kind of the boos are kind of fair? 100%, 100%. Um, over the season I think sometimes um, there has been harsh like harsh moments where I've not really agreed with with some of the things, but on Sundays, yeah, more more than um, more than deserved. Um, and I just went over to know just to, to agree that that it was it was really embarrassing and. Um, and, and things do need to change. Okay, so that is Bohemians midfielder Jordan Flores speaking to what looks like my inanimate arm at the Aviva Stadium uh, last week. But anyway, uh, just uh, Keith, just on Bohemians, obviously, look, it was a crucial victory for them and they needed to sort of answer some of the questions that have been left behind from the uh, from the Cup quarterfinal defeat to Shelburne. And it just feels like they, they are in a sense of drift, I guess. And I think that's sort of more or less what he was talking about there. And obviously the need to apologise to the fans who expect a lot, lot more. Yeah, it was it was really, really disappointing. Look, the fin they done they done well against Finn Harps. They got back on the horse, they won two nil. The fourth goal was a great move, a great passing move. Uh, James Clark plays a little one two around the corner. It, it was a really, really good football move. But to go back to the semi final, I was so disappointed with Bose because you just felt like they've nothing else to play for this season. They're not going to be relegated. They're not going to make Europe. They're just going to dwindle now the season. And that was why I thought they'll throw the kitchen sink at it's just the chance of silver where, you know, just keep it going. And they, they hardly threw a punch in the game against Shells. It was really, really poor stuff. But <laughs> the, the only thing I can put that down to is the fact that they didn't have a manager. And I know myself as a player that when there isn't that figurehead in the dressing room, it's the easiest thing in the world just to switch off a bit and you know. To, well, it doesn't really matter because nobody's going to go. You know, nobody's going to go through me at half time. Nobody's going to give out to me. It's the easiest thing in the world not to do the hard yard. So, for me, that that was a bit. You know, that wasn't great. But 
Penders in there, he got them back on back on uh, back on track against Finn Harps. But you know, the season's just wilding and out now. It doesn't matter if Bowes win every game, that you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna get anything for it. The big one for me was the semi final against Shells, which was really disappointing. Yeah, and Shamrock Rovers, uh, Johnny, I mean, they're five points clear now, one nil win over UCD on uh, on Monday night, and that was following a nil nil draw against Shelburne uh, the previous Thursday. They just, uh, you know, they're they're keeping their noses in front, uh, but there is this kind of sense of just a little bit of a slowdown, maybe, and it could be something to do with the amount of games they've had. Look, you know, and the contrast between Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians, I know financially it's huge, and you know, first to Keith Long, he loses his players every year and stuff like that, and Keith done a great job. I was disappointed to see him go. The inconsistency with 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 with, with uh, Bohemians and switching off, Keith said, and switching on. That's the difference between the top professional and not, not the top professional. Shamrock Rovers, I think they've three, six, I think they've nine or ten games in, 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 in October. We've been... And, and the league but you're right Raf. I don't think even the other night just that 1-0 win against UCD it didn't matter they got the three points they got the job done a good point away to Shells Shells on a little bit of a roll coming out of the cup I've seen them against Dundalk was it nil all or one all up in Dundalk it was a draw Shells are a really really difficult team to play against a well organised fit young group of players but Rovers just plodding along yet yeah, I, I agree they're slowing down a little bit they're managing the games they're managing their time they're managing their recovery time all that success brings all this this amount of uh, congestion in the fixtures as well so you know I think it was a great four points for Shamrock Rovers in this period of the season I find with Rovers is there a sense that they're getting a bit exhausted by the backlog because they seem to be jaded at the moment and they're inclined I find with them they're inclined to just pass the ball around in front of defences when, when they fall into that mode and there's not a lot of penetration kind of resembled uh, Ireland between the first and second goal yesterday. Uh, well, is that a law that sometimes you know, creeps you know, up? You know, and, controlling and, and the game. Can you be controlling the game when you're 1-2? Look, that's fine. The, the, the penetration, I think, with Jack Bowen coming back, Connor, I think that will definitely help him. He's been out for a long time. For just got a really important goal the other night. So, fellas are stepping up to the plate now for them. I think Jack will definitely give them that impetus to go forward. He lifts the game, you know, and uh, look, Derry have only got Six six matches to play and the cup maybe so maybe six or seven matches to play, and uh, with Rovers, I think the I think they've nine or ten matches uh, to play in the season. So yeah, they might be getting a little bit tired, but they're used to doing this. Connor, they've done it the last few years. You know, they, they they're full time. They're getting the rest and recovery done properly. They know the benefits. They definitely know the rewards. You know, for getting to Europe and playing at the top level, and for us to qualify. Conference League stages. I think that's brilliant. It's fantastic. You know, that's where we should be at. Should we be getting there on a consistent level? Yes. Hopefully we can do that. And uh, then we try and move on from there. But, you know, definitely are slowing it down. But they're out in front. There's like maybe a horse in a race being out in front. He's dictating the pace and they're dictating the And they're getting the wins on a Tuesday night or whatever. Consistent, uh, you know, or typical to get a nil, nil all draw or get beaten one nil. No, they, they got the result. They got the three points. And yeah, I think that's the one that the manager can come into the players. Yeah, and uh, obviously they have to fit in the game against Armenia in the middle of that as well. I think as we've uh, as we've alluded to. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, win, yeah. I reckon. 
they might use that as a, as a warm-up game. <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, the, 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 the typical games, like they've slowly go, then they've mauled it, then they've shells at home, then they've mauled again. And they, 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 I don't think they beat Drada this year. They play Drada away, and then they pats Gent in between. Mm. And then, they, depending on how the points are going in the league, they pats Gent, and then they've derried them at the end of the month, you know. So, I think the last game of the season for them is a, I think it's a home to UCD or it could be a way to UCD but you know tough run in Pats Derry you know two of the last three league games Derry Derry's form is very interesting I mean Rory Higgins I spoke to him before the season started and he was at pains to play down their chances in the league and they started brilliantly and then they were terrible lull um, and they've come good again almost the reverse of Dundalk in a strange way whatever's happened Dundalk's implosion is very hard but Derry seemed to be hitting form at the right time, you know. I think he's getting the players back, Connor, isn't he? Duffy is back. McElhenney yeah. is coming into a bit of form. You know, the, and they're getting goals from all over the pitch, patching chips in with free kicks. They get goals from the centre halves as well. And uh, yeah, I was up the game last week at the cup game against Shamrock Rovers. I was talking to Rory and he said they they done a really tough pre-season. They got them fit. They got ready to go. And, and you're right, Connor. They kicked off the season fantastic. And he hit a lull in the middle of the season, whether that's through injuries or just a little bit of form. But in fairness, they're five points off Shamrock Rovers. They're still there. And you're right, they're coming into a bit of form. Is it three goals they've conceded in 13 or 14 matches? Or something like that. I don't particularly like the stats, but but that's the, the way they're at. They're, they're, they're still on the heels of Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, just as well, sad as well to hear about Kieran Harkin's uh, reoccurrence of that uh, ACL injury as well. I was chatting to him last week at that launch, uh, launch as well, and he had been in kind of a really positive mood as well because he felt like he was uh, close to coming back. But unfortunately, like he'll have to, he's got another few months now to wait. But mm-hmm. in terms of fixtures, uh, this Friday, Bohemians against UCD, Dundalk against Drada and the Loud Derby, St. Pat's against Derry City, that's a big game. And then Finn Harps against Shelburne, that's the eight o'clock kickoff. And then, as we mentioned earlier, on the Saturday, uh, Shamrock Rovers are at Sligo Rovers. I just wanted to touch on Pats, actually, because since the exit in the Europa Conference League to CSK Sofia, they've really gone on a really good run. So I was chatting to Chris Forrester at that launch as well, and this is what he had to say. I think it brought us together as a team, you know, and like you said, in the CSK game, we were, we were hard done by in that game. I think a couple of decisions went against us, and, you know, that kind of galvanised us and... Yeah, yeah, right. It can be a bit of a distraction, but it was a it was a healthy distraction for us because we weren't doing too well in the league. We were hit and miss, and then like like you said, since we come back from the European games, we've been we've been right on it, and the, the momentum is on our side, and we're feeling good. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned additions as well. So Atom Kai being one, Tyce Timmermans as well has been uh, you know been kind of central in midfield as well beside you, and uh, also Barry Cotter coming in at wing back. Uh, how have you found? A, their additions and also the change of system as well to this back three. Yeah, it's been it's been massive. Like you said, the lads the lads have named and we have Hardy Brockbank and you know Danny Rogers as well come in, um, and they're all they've all they've all brought something to the table. Um, the change in system is it's been working well for us. To be fair, you know we look pretty solid. We're getting a few goals and you know it's it's tailored kind of to everyone's kind of strengths. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been really positive. Yeah, that's Chris Forrester there. Keith, just on Pats, actually, because I remember, I think the last time you were on, it was just in the wake of that CSKA game, and they were hard done by, as we said. I think the refereeing, some of the refereeing decisions were a little bit uh, questionable, maybe to put it that way. But there is a sense, there, you know, just as they're getting into good form as well, Dundalk are having a bit of a drop-off. Drop so um, 
how optimistic are you in regards to their uh, potential of just staying in that top, well, get, uh, getting into that top three first and then staying there? Uh, well, yeah, Pat, look, Chris uh, Chris touched on it there. The five wins on the bounce looked really, really good, had all the momentum coming into the run-in in a really great place. And then, you know, they they'd no cup game. They didn't play last week. So they've had a two-week break. So I'm not sure how much momentum is with Pats now, but Derry as well, five wins on the bounce. It's going to be a great game. But I, I, I've done a couple of co-commentaries uh, for, for Pats this year and I've been watching Chris Forrester really closely. And the one thing I've been asking more of him is just to get on the score sheet because he's such a great passer of the ball. He do, he, he's a great link for Pats from uh, the middle to the midfield and up to the front, lads. He, he's excellent and he can play from back to front really, really quickly. He is Pats' talisman. But I think he, he had two goals, you know, not so long ago. He's starting to get on the score sheet now, making late runs into the box, coming into a bit of form. And I think he could be the difference just to tip Pats into the top three if they could possibly catch Dundalk. But I, I think, you know, we spoke about uh, Scotland having a, an emotional hangover again after the Ukraine defeat. It was very, very easy that Pats could have had an emotional uh, hangover after the CK, CSKA, so fear defeat and given the way it went with the referee, some really bad decisions, the penalty, you know, it could have really lingered in, in, the, in the memory, but it's been excellent, but there's still a little bit more work to do. I think seven games left now for Patson. I think Derry will just drop one here or there, you know, and the odd draw, maybe even the loss. Andy draw, they've got three to United at home, so they probably have one eye on that as well, and that can that can take away the, the Pats, Finn Harps, Shells, Rovers and Dundalk. I think that's their last four, five or six matches. So uh, the cup could be a little bit of a distraction, so you might have a fair point there. I think the, the great one for Stephen Bradley as well, Johnny, you know, being a manager yourself, is that he has a weapon will be sleeve that if they don't perform in a league game, you can say, right, well, you're not playing in the Europa Conference now. That's it. And because everybody wants to play in the Europa League games, they're the glamour toys. So he has that little little weapon just up his sleeve that if the lads don't perform in a league game, you know, he just takes them out. So he has a he has a little reason there to keep them sharp as well. So for them reasons, I do think you know it might be a little bit tight, a little bit edgy at times, but I expect Rovers just to do enough and get over the line. It's just it's just such a bit, you know, to, to win the league, it just gives you so much financial advantage. You know, the games that you, I think you're guaranteed six games, aren't you? And once you win the league, you know, you drop down to the Europa, you drop down to the conference. And then obviously if you qualify, you're in the conference, you get the, the, the stages. But, you know, Rovers are obviously planning, already planning for next season. You know, there, there'll be a few bodies uh, moving on, lines moving on. Ronan Finn's not going to be there forever. Um, so, look, you know, they, 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 they'll be for next season uh, Pats be looking at getting a spot in Europe because you know if they're going to get into the cup final and win the cup it, it, it opens up that other spot doesn't it for Europe so it gives the, the team a chance to uh, to maybe get into that European spot and I think it's vital for Pats financially to get into that European spot to, to, to get players to, to attract players to say we're playing in Europe again next year and that can be the difference of a fella not signing for you and, and signing for you yeah, and then in the women's FAI Cup, uh, we've got a final between an up-and-coming Athlone and then Shelburne, one of the uh, powerhouses of recent times. So that's going to be one to look forward to. The semi-finals were played over the weekend. Maddie Gibson's hat-trick for Athlone to help them beat the current league leaders, Wexford 3-0, and that's their first ever final, which caps off a really good season. And if they were to go on to win it, obviously it would be an outstanding one. And then Noel Murray's first half penalty, uh, giving Shells a 1-0 win over Bowes. So, uh, Connor, just on this one it is uh it's going to be finally poised and it's intriguing just given what i said sort of the 
you know, a matchup of uh, the last season's league champions and also a team that got to the last cup final against a uh, against a team that has probably defied a lot of expectations to be in that top four. Yeah, well, they've had a superb season at Lone. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a terrific story. I mean, we're used to Shelburne and Piedmont and and Wexford uh, prior and again now dominating the women's game to see a sort of a team emerge from the Midlands. Um, you know, uh, top four in the league, and then totally destroying Wexford, who were on a terrific run. They've won seven in a row in the league, and then at Lone go and beat them three 0 I mean, it's. It's particularly impressive. So, uh, yeah, and it, it's it's great. We're we're seeing more teams entering the WNL in recent years, like Rovers, uh, Bohemians, and uh, yeah, who knows whether they'll be able to follow at Lone's lead. Um, but it's it's particularly impressive, especially uh, incongruous given the struggles of their men's team in the in the first division. Yeah, although their form the, in the first division has picked up in recent times uh, with a few a few wins, yeah. so second second from bottom now. Uh, speaking of the first division, the most recent results: Bray Wanderers losing three 0 at home to Waterford, and uh, your beloved Longford Town Connor drawing one. Our weekly slot, well, not weekly, one one retreat. A regular United. slot where you ask me about Longford Town. Yeah, my ear isn't totally to the ground on their uh, on their efforts this season, but yeah, they've uh, they're in the they're they're in the playoffs. Anyway, it would have been quite a it would have been quite an indictment indictment if they hadn't made the playoffs, given how uh, how straightforward it is to make them. Yeah, now we're just gonna we're we're about to finish off now, but I might just touch on it because obviously, look, the World Cup is only whatever it is seven or so weeks away now, Keith, and obviously, uh, going back to uh, what you do on the other channel that uh, was mentioned at the very beginning, obviously, you get to see a lot of the European teams in the Nations League, and I just wonder. Um, I just wonder like what your view is overall on which teams are most likely to make an impression during the World Cup based on what you've seen and like what I've seen so far there seems to be like England seem to have issues France has issues Ooh. Germany has issues you go through the whole lot of them pretty much maybe the exception being the Dutch but the question with them do they have the players necessary to go all the way it just seems a lot of question marks at a time that Brazil and Argentina seem to be quite doing quite well from the South American point of view you can talk yourself in and you can talk yourself out with so many countries for this World Cup. Um, personally, I do think it'll be a South American team. I'm looking at, you know, Brazil and Argentina, given the humidity over in, uh, over in Qatar. So I do think it'll, it will play in their favour. But, you know, I, I, I said the other night that, you know, Portugal on paper are outstanding. They really are. Even if you take Ronaldo out of that team, they're outstanding. Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Joe Cancelo, little Ruben Neves. Absolutely outstanding team, and analytically, I can't. You know, they've only. I think they scored. They, they got beat by Spain last night, but they only conceded three goals in the whole of the Nations League uh, campaign. Scored eleven goals, doing really, really well. So outstanding attack, really strong defensively. But there's just something about them, you know. It's just something I, I, I wouldn't go and back them, and I don't know why. I, I can't put my finger on what it is with them, but. There's just something about Portugal. The same with France. I know Mbappe, Griezmann is not in great great form at the minute, although it's starting to pick up. I can talk myself out with the French team as well. I can talk myself out with the English. They have so many so many problems at the minute as well. So I thought I'd, I'd probably just walk into the bookies, <laughs> Raph, and close my eyes and pick whoever comes up. You know, it, it, it really is one of them. But for a more, a more measured account of it, I'd probably go Brazil or Argentina, just given the humidity over there, given the possession-based style that these that these teams will play. They'll make people run. And even the Dutch, the Belgians, 
you know, there's question marks over them. Have they still got the players? Can the Belgians still do it defensively? Yang Vertong and Alderweireld getting older every day. So, you know, if you can imagine one of them coming coming up against the likes of Mbappe, you can imagine what would happen there. So, you know, I, I, like I say, I can talk myself in and I can talk myself out of most of these teams. So, considering I said it's not going to be Portugal, I'm going to go Portugal. Fair enough. It's I like a little, the logic there. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of shadow. <laughs> it's obviously with the problems, uh, the prop, the the question marks we have about our own teams. A bit of Schadenfreude to just talk about some of these uh, teams that are also struggling at a at a slightly higher level than what we are. But um, just a final one, actually, Johnny. Before we go, um, on the English, as uh, I think Keith pointed out, that they're not likely winners, not based on not based on current form. Anyway, you should tell the English media that, Ruff. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they're slowly coming round to it. I think I, just based on some of the performances, but just on the Trent Alexander-Arnold thing, Johnny actually because he was left out of the match day squad for the for the Germany game, and he hasn't really had a look in. They have four right backs potentially, and even you could throw someone like Eric Dyer potentially as another option that can play there. There's a possibility he's not going to the World Cup, and it just it you can understand the logic in one way, but at the same time also you're looking at a player who. Regardless, regardless of form, probably one of their more generational talents, and it'll be sort of it'll be weird to see him not at a World Cup. Considering, I, 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 I don't know what happened. Whether it's a personal thing with Southgate or numbers wise in that position, it does happen sometimes. Like you, you look back down to the years, the the great rifles we had: Carr, Dennis Ehrman, the likes of Curtis Fleming didn't get a look in because of the top players that were there. You know, Stephen Finn, and so sometimes that can affect the the reason why you don't pick someone. Is it a personal thing? I don't know. Stranger than that, you know, he, he's not involved. You, you you look at the team the other day, and you know, you you, you look at them and, and you say, where will they end up? I think they'll be get quarterfinals and stuff like that. I think they they're, they're good enough to probably get into somewhere like the quarterfinals. And after that, the teams are a lot better than them. Uh, there's lads playing, you know, in in the England first team that are not playing in their in their club teams in McGuire and uh, the left full. Uh, what's his name? Scored the other oh, night. Uh, Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, sorry. Uh, yeah. So the likes of them two are not playing, you know, they're not playing with Special McGuire, they're not playing every week. And then they're playing in this in the first team. Alexander's playing probably nearly every week and he's not getting in. But you know, for me, it's not your team, it's the country's team. And I think you pick you pick the best players that fit into the best system for what you're trying to do. I think you you always try and put out your best team on the pitch. No matter what, so I think if a, if a manager has a personal issue with, with a player, it's not like a club where you can find him or let him off. It's, it's, it's that club belongs to the country, you know what I mean? And you've got to do the best for the country and put personal issues aside. The likes of Conley with the Irish team, I don't know what's going on there. Could he be brought back into the team? I'm not saying he's he's a Robbie Keane, but. Whatever makes your team better, and then you can deal with stuff later on when you're finished your term as a manager or whatever it might be. And generally, you make up with these guys. We've all done it, and I've turned all them pages. But look, England, they're in a little bit of bother at the moment, but uh, on their day, they, they'd be quite capable of beating anyone. Yeah, and anyway, Connor, that's England and the rest of them. It's not France, our France will be there and thereabouts. Yeah. yeah, but you're England and the rest of them. Not our problem, Connor. Not our problem. Although it is tremendously interesting watching the debate on Southgate, and you know there seems to be a similar kind of uh, well, I don't know about culture war, but it's sort of a culture war over there over over whether people think Southgate has done incredibly well to uh, get England to a World Cup semi final and a Euros final, or whether he's frittering away a uh, 
maybe not a golden generation, but a silver generation. <laughs> <laughs> who won't who won't even get silver. But anyway, uh, that's maybe it for we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I might eat my words later, but we generally don't play anything back. So I think I'm safe. But anyway, that is it for this week's uh, soccer podcast. Connor Neville, thanks for coming on. And also Keith Tracy and Johnny McDonald. Cheers, Jeff.